जो आप काम कर रहे हो जो आपकी मुश्किलें हैं इसके बारे में मीडिया में कभी मैंने नहीं देखा दिखाएंगे बहुत अच्छा लगा आपसे मिलकर थैंक यू ब्रदर even casual observers of indian politics may recognize their voice that was rahul gandhi speaking with delivery workers in bengaluru earlier this year some quick background gandhi is an important leader of the congress party and the son grandson and great grandson of former prime ministers of india since 2014 he has been among the principal political opponents of the ruling bharatiya janata party or the bjp which under the leadership of the prime minister narendra modi who is currently serving his second term has held a firm grip on power at india's central government the clip that you just heard is part of a longer video released by gandhi's team during the week leading to may 10th 2023 that was the day when the people of the state of karnataka would go to the polls to elect their government in the video he is seen at the iconic airlines hotel in the heart of the capital city of bengaluru sharing food with a handful of the city's app based delivery workers they are immediately recognizable by their uniforms the bright green of dunzo and the bright yellow of blinkit which are two of the quick commerce companies operating in the market and the red and orange of the food delivery companies zomato and swiggy main second khana apko company mein kam kar diya to unke bhi sabhi ek saath plan tips karke 100 rupees dete hai दूसरा जूस देता है वही सर ये काम जो ढंग का होना फ्यूचर काम आना एम्प्लॉयमेंट नहीं है सर उसी हम यहाँ सौ रुपए के काम पाए सर यही नाश्ता है हमारा पार्ट ऑफ द कांग्रेस कैंपेन टू विन पावर इन द स्टेट फ्रॉम एन इनकम्पन बीजेपी गवर्नमेंट द पार्टीज मैनिफेस्टो प्रोमिस्ड दैट इफ वोट टू पावर इट वुड सेट अप ए गिग वर्कर्स वेलफेयर बोर्ड विद इन इनिशियल कॉपर्स ऑफ रुपीज थ्री थाउजेंड and also ensure minimum hourly wages for gig workers and other workers in the unorganized sector in the video gandhi is seen listening to the concerns of those delivery workers about declining incomes and the long hours they need to work to make ends meet one of them even tells him that he has to do this work because there are no other jobs You're listening to the Delivery Charge podcast. My name is Aju Jong. This podcast is about platform delivery workers organizing for fairer conditions of work in Germany where I live and in India where I am from. This is the 6th episode, but the first that will focus on India. During the same week in May earlier this year when Gandhi's team released that video from Bengaluru, Raju, who was a delivery worker for Swiggy, was killed in an accident in Hyderabad. which is in the neighboring state of telangana a few days after this tragedy i was speaking with sheikh salaudin the national general secretary of the indian federation of app based transport workers or ifat and the telangana gig and platform workers union dekhiye delivery boy apna order leke jaane ke time pe 
ऑर्डर के देने के डिलीवरी के टाइम पे जो है रोड के ऊपर अचानक एक हादसा हो गया बट ये डिलीवरी बॉय जो हमारा बंदा था हॉस्पिटल डिलीवरी अनफॉर्चुनेटली जो हुआ जब हम लोग कल जाके उनकी फैमिली से मिले थे तो एक दर्द की चीज और एक एक पेनफुल जो मेहनत कर रहा था ये कर रहा था कि ज्यादातर उसकी बीबी को एजुकेशन हायर एजुकेशन पढ़ा सके बीडी पढ़ा रहा था अपने वाइफ को फर्स्ट ईयर She is in the first year of a BEd degree. बहुत painful है उसके घर में उसकी माँ एकदम बुरी है. They have two very young children, a boy and a girl. तो मैं पूछा कि क्या सिगी का मैंने बेटा भी हुआ क्या? नहीं सर, पता ही नहीं हमारे को क्या है क्या नहीं. तो कोई उसके friends लगातार कोशिश कर रहे थे. Contact करने की. इसका वही बोलते ना regular. His friends were also trying to get in touch with them, but as usual, they haven't been able to speak to anyone yet. तो सिग्गी को शर्माना चाहिए चीज पे के एटलीस्ट उनके फैमिली से रीच आउट हो नॉट मैनेजमेंट शुड हैव एट द वेरी लीस्ट स्पोकन टू द फैमिली के साथ बहुत सारे हादसे हुए हैं आप देखे होंगे लास्ट दो महीने के नीचे भी जो सिग्गी का जो सच एक्सीडेंट्स हैव हैपेंड के अंदर कुत्ता लेस देन 2 मंथ्स अगो आल्सो इन हैदराबाद एंड डिलीवरी वर्कर फेल टू हिज डेथ फ्रॉम द थर्ड फ्लोर अपॉन फियरिंग एन अटैक फ्रॉम पेट डॉग जो कंपनी वो वर्कर के लिए ही ना सोचे वो वर्कर के लिए सोचने पे इंटरेस्टेड into which the worker and employer had been required to regularly contribute under law these are some of the solutions that became part of the fabric of work in many countries especially countries where industrialization happened early workers in those countries fought for the creation of an institutional structure that would require employers to formally recognize their employees and protect them against exploitation for work through labor and social legislation workers obtain recognition as employees and protection against unacceptable conditions of work and capital's accountability for their wages job security and health and retirement benefits
this came to be seen as the conventional model of state capital labor relations. In this model, negotiations regarding the conditions of work such as wages, holidays, workplace safety and bonuses take place between the employers and formal workers organized into unions. The state would set the baseline framework for the negotiation through minimum wages legislation, for example, mediate this negotiation if required, and guarantee and enforce the resulting agreement. Many workers, however, were left out of this conventional model, primarily women workers and workers from racialized populations. Defined by their exclusion from this model, these informal workers, as they came to be known, were not recognized as workers and remained unprotected, meaning that they did not receive health, unemployment and retirement benefits. In the newly independent nations that began to industrialize in the second half of the 20th century, the workforce was predominantly informal. Several scholars have argued, in fact, that the cheap and flexible workforce in the colonies was an essential feature of the modern capitalist system. In India, nearly all major pieces of labor legislation, including the Industrial Disputes Act, the Factories Act, the Employees Provident Fund Act and the Employees State Insurance Act came into being between 1946 and 1952, at least partly in response to working class unrest following the Second World War. Even though the newly independent Indian governments at the national and state levels aspired for social justice and the establishment of a welfare state, welfare benefits were linked to particular types of employment and remained confined to a very small section of the mostly male workforce. For instance, these laws failed to protect the majority of Indian workers because they worked in small-scale enterprises that were exempt from most of the mid-20th century labor laws. Rather than use the formal informal binary, the historian Ravi Ahuja prefers to situate particular Indian workers in a spectrum of formality and informality because employment-based welfare laws varied widely in their coverage. Take the example of the Employee State Insurance Act 1948 or the ESI Act. It provides for 10 weeks of paid sick leave, monetary benefits in case of maternity, accident or invalidity, as well as medical benefits to be offered by special medical services that were to be created for that purpose, but only to workers in perennial factories with more than 10 employees. A much larger proportion of the workforce than that was entitled under the ESI Act to pensions in the event of workplace accidents was entitled only to lump sum payments under the Workmen's Compensation Act. Today, the significant majority of workers in India, over 90% of it by most accounts, do not benefit from compulsory social security schemes such as the Employee State Insurance and the Provident Fund. They are also not protected by the laws that regulate employment, such as the Factories Act. So where does Raju's death figure in all of this? News reports of the accident identify him as a Swiggy delivery boy. Swiggy, which was founded in 2014, is primarily an online food delivery platform. At its height, buoyed by investments from the Japanese SoftBank in 2021, 
and then the American Invesco the following year, the company had been valued by its investors at 10.7 billion US dollars. Since then, faced with global economic conditions that came to be known as the funding winter, that valuation declined to only 5.5 billion at the time of Raju's death. Through these nine years, Swiggy has characterized those who deliver the food on its platform as delivery partners and successfully avoided any of the obligations that employers owe their employees under the mid-20th century labor laws. Swiggy's pattern of classifying workers like Raju as delivery partners has become part of the global conversation on how platform corporations, by mischaracterizing even those workers who perform services using these platforms on a daily basis as entrepreneurs or as freelancers instead of as their employees, are able to shift much of the risk of businesses to these workers. Remember how in the industrialized nations, workers' movements successfully struggled for the recognition of workers as employees? Swiggy implies that it merely facilitates the transactions between customers and service providers to whom it owes no obligations at all arising from a contract of employment. The term gig work, which was mostly used to describe working relationships of a temporary nature, has wrongly been used to describe the nature of all work done through such platforms. Raju may have regularly delivered the food order on its app for more than 8 hours a day and for more than 25 days a month, but according to Swiggy, he did not qualify when he was alive for paid sick leave or overtime pay and after his death in the course of work to accident compensation or any benefit from an insurance fund to which the company had contributed. Even when working for a company valued at several billion US dollars, Raju was unable to climb out of the informality that is almost characteristic of work in India. Today's company is so big from our blood. It is thanks to us workers that the company has reached such great heights today. But it does not listen to us. When a worker dies, the company shows absolutely no humanity. It does not even speak to the worker's family. How is the family supposed to read Swiggy's management? For the past few days, this is what we have been talking about. We may lose our lives while working for Swiggy, when we are required to do 10 and 20 minute deliveries. It does not support us or even ask about us. Why should we support such a company? and its growth. You're listening to Sheikh Salauddin on the Delivery Charge podcast. The voice in English is that of my friend, the anthropologist Jagat Sohail. In the 1980s, as part of several processes that are grouped together under the term neoliberalism today, the proportion of unprotected workers increased substantially. Doubting whether they could ever count on achieving the formal state protections and employer accountability available under the mid-20th century labor laws, informal workers sought not an improvement in their status to that of formal sector workers, but for protection within their status as informal workers. The primary target of their demands shifted from the employers to the state. Rather than bargain with the employer for work benefits that relied on the employer, such as wages and job security, they shifted their demands to welfare benefits that the state may be able to ensure, such as health and education, operationalized through industry-specific welfare boards. 
We will return to one particular milestone in this new pattern of informal worker mobilization later in this episode. That is the 1969 law from the state of Maharashtra, the Mathadi, Hamal and other manual workers Regulation of Employment and Welfare Act. For now, however, we will zoom past that to the Unorganized Workers Social Security Act of 2008. As I mentioned previously, most of India's citizens were left out from the protective coverage of the mid-20th century labor and social laws. In response to campaigns and social movements that I will describe briefly later in this episode, a federal law was enacted in 2008 to provide for the social security and welfare of several categories of informal workers, including home-based workers, self-employed workers, and daily wage workers. It was mainly an enabling law that provided for the establishment of a national social security board at the federal level that would then recommend the formulation of social security schemes such as for life and disability cover, health and maternity benefits, old age protection, and so on. Apart from the setting up of this board, nothing of substance really transpired. The central government did not formulate or provide for any new scheme for informal workers. In 2020, the 2008 law was replaced by the Code on Social Security. This change, made when much of the country remained under pandemic lockdown, was part of an attempt to thoroughly reform and consolidate Indian labor law into four codes. Several laws on social security were therefore folded into a single code. Among other things, this social security code defined terms such as gig work and platform work, and once again enabled the central government to formulate and notify social security schemes for them. The government could do this through a national social security board for gig and platform workers that would also feature the representatives of the platform companies or aggregators, to use the terminology of the law, and the representatives of gig and platform workers. All of them would be nominated by the central government. Some of these schemes could be funded through the compulsory contributions of the aggregator companies, which could be between 1 and 2% of their annual turnover. In 2021, during her budget speech, the Finance Minister Nirmala Sitharaman spoke in India's parliament about the government's vision for providing social security to gig and platform workers. To further extend our efforts towards the unorganized labor force, migrant workers in particular, I propose to launch a portal that will collect relevant information on gig workers, building and construction workers, among others. This will help formulate health, housing, skill, insurance credit, and food schemes for all migrant workers. We will conclude a process that began 20 years ago with the implementation of the four labor codes. For the first time globally, social security benefits will be extended to gig and platform workers. So far, the central government of India has not delivered on these promises. If the Social Security Code had been implemented, there would have been a welfare board for gig workers. 
This board would already have had funds from the 3% cess collected over the past three years. This delivery workers family could have benefited from those funds. We could have gone to the labor department and started the process of getting those funds. You're listening to Sheikh Salauddin of the Indian Federation of App-Based Transport Workers. This is the Delivery Charge Podcast. This podcast is supported by the MS Marian Artagor International Center of Advanced Studies Metamorphoses of the Political or ICASMP which is an Indo-German research collaboration of six Indian and German institutions funded by the German Federal Ministry of Education and Research. My name is Aju John and I am the founder of Nagrik Open Civic Learning, a project that creates open source online learning materials about civic and political participation. So, if you want to learn about the construction workers movement that led to the establishment of the building and construction workers board and fund, then please look for the Nagrik podcast. Like the Nagrik podcast, the Delivery Charge podcast is available on all podcast platforms including Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. You can visit these platforms and search for the Delivery Charge podcast. If you subscribe to the feed, then you will be notified when a new episode is released. Before this break, you were listening to Sheikh Salauddin of IFAT, who was speaking to me in May 2023 about how the consequences of Raju's death could have been very different for his family had the central government actually implemented the parts of the Code on Social Security 2020 dealing with gig and platform workers. It has been three years since the parliament passed this law, but it has not yet been implemented. If the central government had been interested, it could have done this, but it is more interested in the companies. Raju was a delivery worker for Swiggy. Without the social security law, Salauddin says, platform companies like Swiggy continue to remain unaccountable. These companies have been making claims about investments and the jobs they have created. But we don't know the details, how many jobs, where is the audit of the promises made by these companies. For instance, if Swiggy claims it has created 2 lakh jobs, there has to be some accountability about whether these jobs have been created and whether the workers in these jobs are actually benefiting from such jobs. Instead, you will believe anything these companies tell you. If you say that you are providing workers with some benefits, 
then tell us how many workers and their families have benefited. Make that information public. Salauddin has not been alone in the struggle to hold platform companies accountable. Another group that has been actively working for that goal is the Mazdoor Kisan Shakti Sankatan or the Association for the Empowerment of Workers and Farmers. Since its founding in 1990, the MKSS, as it is known, has been working outside of the political party process on several issues that are quite close to the urban and rural poor, particularly in the northern state of Rajasthan. It became nationally prominent through its campaign for a people's right to information. Thanks in part to a grassroots movement led by it, the right to information became a legal right, first in the state of Rajasthan and then nationally through an act of parliament in 2005. Incidentally, the campaign for a right to information had emerged from a campaign for minimum wages in the state of Rajasthan. Its leaders Aruna Roy and Nikhil Day recently spoke to the media platform Workers United about the struggle for social security for gig and platform workers. So when we were thinking about it, we also realized that there were ways which had to think out. We should not fight to get back the older system because I don't know whether it's ever going to come back. But look at the flaws and the possibilities in the newer system. When we were looking for this, NKSS thought back on its experience uh, to Pune. Uh, there is a very famous Indian called Baba Artha who set up something equally famous, more famous than him, which is called Hamar Panchayat. That was the voice of Aruna Roy, who was one of the founders of the NKSS. She's talking about taking inspiration from something I referred to previously in this episode as a milestone in the informal workers' struggles for welfare benefits and social protection during the final third of the 20th century. These informal workers, as we have discussed previously on this episode, had been left out of the protective coverage of mid-20th century labour laws. The Hamals were headload workers who carried sacks of grain and cement in the markets of Pune, a city in the western Indian state of Maharashtra. They belonged to the backward caste and came to Pune from all over Maharashtra. In the 1950s, Baba Sahib Pandurang Adhav, or Baba Adhav as he came to be known, overcame some of the typical challenges of organising an informal workforce such as the absence of clear employer-employee relations, scattered workplaces, the poverty of the workers, and their neglect by the state. He managed to organize the Hamals of the city into the Hamal Panchayat. After a strike that resulted in the fixing of minimum wages for the Hamals, the Hamal Panchayat was recognized as a trade union. In 1969, the Maharashtra government passed the Mathadi Hamal and Other Manual Workers Act to provide for their economic and social security. Under this law, there is a Mathadi board that hires and pays workers. Both workers and labor users, to use the terminology of the law, register with the board. Labor users pay the board for the labor it has used. The board tallies the number of hours worked by individual workers and pays them a wage. In this way, the board stands in for a formal employer. These boards also provide a wide array of social security and welfare benefits, such as provident funds to be collected at the time of retirement, gratuities, ex gratia payments, bonuses, leave wages, medical benefits, 
and compensation for injury. The board thus regulates the conditions of work and provides for the social security of the workers. Social security and other benefits are funded by the fees charged on labor users and tariffs on worker payments. So this seemed to have worked and they have a fantastic, now they have a Hamal bank, they have a Hamal colony and these Hamals have now become very powerful lobby in Maharashtra politically also. So we have been always in awe of this wonderful exhibit, uh, example of what Baba Adab was able to do. In 2007, Aruna Roy and Baba Adab led a delegation to meet parliamentarians and campaign for a law to provide social security for all unprotected workers. The next year, the Unorganized Sector Social Security Act was passed by the Congress-led UPA government. But as we discussed earlier in this episode, this law remained mostly in the books alone. Neither the UPA governments nor its successor governments led by the BJP did anything much to operationalize it. Even as Roy and Adhav continued their campaign for some substantial social protection for India's informal workers, Sheikh Salauddin in the city of Hyderabad decided to drive for Uber. In some of the forthcoming episodes of this podcast, we will document in greater detail his journey of organizing drivers in Telangana and around India. For now, we will move ahead to 2019, when he founded the Indian Federation of App-Based Transport Workers to advocate for the rights of drivers and riders of platforms like Ola, Uber, Swiggy and Zomato. From the very beginning, IFAT's demands have included a law to regulate platform companies. There is no law for gig and platform workers like there is, for example, a street vendor and a motor vehicle If there is a statute, then all companies will have to comply with it. Notification is not enough. The central government's motor vehicle aggregator guidelines are not enough. Having a law is essential so that we can hold companies accountable. In November 2022, Sheikh Salauddin walked alongside Rahul Gandhi in Hyderabad for 20 minutes as part of Gandhi's Bharajodo Yatra or the journey to unite India. Gandhi moved on foot across 12 Indian states as he sought to galvanize Congress Party workers and burnish his own credentials as a mass leader ahead of the general elections in 2024. On December 14th, as the Yatra progressed through Rajasthan, Jairam Ramesh, a senior Congress Party leader and a close advisor of Rahul Gandhi, tweeted the following. I quote, On afternoon of day 98 of hashtag Bharat Yatra, Rahul Gandhi met with organizations representing unorganized sector workers in Rajasthan. Anganwadi workers demanded minimum wage and social security benefits. MGNREGA workers wanted its scope to be expanded. National Hawkers Federation submitted that laws, when implemented, are loaded against street vendors. Workers in the gig economy demanded a minimum wage. It was an animated conversation and the CM promised that the state will be a model in protecting rights of app-based workers." End quote. There are some companies such as Uber and Ola and the home delivery companies that have lacks of employees who do not have any rights. 
They can be removed from their jobs at any time that the employers want. That is why we have created a 200 crore rupees social welfare fund for gig workers. We will pass a law to provide for it. That was the Chief Minister of Rajasthan, the Congress Party's Ashok Ghelot, announcing during his budget speech in the Rajasthan Legislative Assembly in February 2023 that his government would soon enact a law to provide for the welfare of gig and platform workers. A few weeks before that, some of Sheikh Salauddin's colleagues had met Rahul Gandhi as the Bharat Chodo Yatra passed through Rajasthan. The people in this sector are in trouble. They are exploited. They are removed from their jobs. I met a Sikh man who also interacted with Rahul Gandhi. He had bought three cars and was operating them as taxis. He told me he was facing ruin and that was the reason he started helping other such gig workers. He said he was in debt and he did not want others to suffer his fate. You're listening to Ashok Ghelot, the Chief Minister of Rajasthan, explaining the government's reasoning behind enacting a welfare law for gig and platform workers. The voice in English is that of my friend, the anthropologist Mihir Sharma. The Sikh man in question, who met with Rahul Gandhi during the Bharajoro Yatra, was Ashish Singh. Singh is Sheikh Salauddin's colleague at the Indian Federation of Air-Based Transport Workers. ये मांग तो 2017 से ही उठी हुई है अगर इसका देखें डिमांड जो है 2017 से ही यहाँ ड्राइवर आयोग जिसको बोले जो बोर्ड है वो आयोग है एक विभाग जैसे बोलते हैं एक डिपार्टमेंट जैसे बोलते हैं ट्रांसपोर्ट डिपार्टमेंट ईट भट्टा मजदूर वाला कह रहा है कि हमारा आयोग बना लिए हर मजदूर एवरी टाइप ऑफ लेबर दे डिमांडेड कि हमें हमारा आयोग चाहिए तो बोर्ड की for instance, taxi drivers have wanted one for a very long time. Whether it becomes reality depends on factors, such as what the government's interest is in creating a welfare board, how you have made representations to the government, who your representatives are and how they are connected, and the political advantages that may arise from it. तो हमने मार्केट साइज क्या है सरकार भी वोट बैंक देखती है सब चीजें देखती है तो वो भी the market size is also important because the government pays attention to the vote bank. In this case, the government has been able to understand the size of the market. और इसपे कानून बनाना और ये सारी चीजें करना शुरू से चल रहा है और इसको हमने और the demand for a welfare board for gig workers and a law for it has been there from the beginning and we have been trying to make that demand in stronger ways we have been getting better at making the same demand we did not learn about this demand from anywhere else या हमारे लोकल बेस से ही समझ में आई है एक मथाड़ी बोर्ड करके है जो 1969 के अंदर तो हमने उनसे भी सीखा कि वो जब वो बिल्ड कर सकते हैं तो हम क्यों नहीं कर सकते यूर लिस्निंग टू आशीष सिंह ऑन द डिलीवरी चार्ज पॉडकास्ट द इंग्लिश ट्रांसलेशन इज वॉइस बाई माई फ्रेंड द लॉयर रोहित शर्मा 
In interacting with Rahul Gandhi and with the Rajasthan Chief Minister Ashok Gehlot, Ashish Singh was moving in the footsteps of some of the country's informal worker movements that, for several decades now, have used their power as citizens and voters to demand welfare benefits from the state. So Rahul Ji so after Rahul Gandhi spoke with all of you, we decided that we would make some provision in the budget for gig workers. In July of this year, Ashok Helod's government fulfilled a large part of its promise by passing a law to establish a welfare board and a dedicated social security fund for platform-based gig workers in the state. So gig, as we were explaining to you, Hamal is also a gig worker. Uh, as are maybe construction workers or anywhere where you ask to do this job and then the employer says I have nothing further to do. But the platform is the second part of what Aruna was talking about, which is that you have this invisibility of not being able to actually talk to another human being. So a very important part of collective bargaining is completely removed because you are dealing with an app. All of us in the world know how when we have to deal with any kind of complaint on the phone, we talk to some bot or the other, and that bot, depending on whatever they are programmed to do, leaves us out in the cold most often. So here with workers, it's even worse because they are being dealt with by a dictatorial digital framework, and there's very little they can do. So what one big second break breakthrough that took place was the idea that since every worker on a platform is registered with the platform, if you register the platform, automatically all the workers get registered. So very, very big problem with social security legislation is the registration of workers themselves. In India, without the question of having uh, digital systems, they are so dissipated all over the country in small groups, as we all know, in various places, or even individuals, that you don't have any way and means, and they don't have the wherewithal to get registered, even if there's a platform. Here, there was an opportunity of something that was being used to exploit them, being turned on its head to actually catch hold of those who were doing whatever they were doing, because it's all there on record. So the law only did, needed a mechanism to say anyone operating on a platform in the state will be registered and anyone registered on that platform will automatically be registered with the board. So that's itself a very, very big conceptual breakthrough in a sense. Uh, so registration, not just of the worker, it's also of the platform. Uh, so whether it's Ola or Uber or Zomato or Amazon or whoever else. That is the voice of Nikhil Day. Day is Aruna Roy's colleague at MKSS and like her, had come into national prominence with his participation in the campaigns for the right to information, the right to food, and the right to guaranteed employment. Uh, the second, as you say, is social security. So a concentration on social security. Of course, there's much else that should come out of both collective bargaining and regulation. But they have been, all these platforms have been very successful around the world in fighting off regulation because they say that it affects the market and that we, these kinds of laws cannot regulate their market mechanisms or they'll go out of business. We feel that that will come out of collective bargaining, but they have been able to successfully keep out of collective bargaining frameworks. So if we can get them in through something where even they don't disagree that every worker should have social security. 
and uh, it's not just pensions and health aruna mentioned as an example but the whole range is available and so to your questions the first uh, answer is actually that immediately let's say for transport workers the day you register you should be covered by accidental and death insurance because that's something that would affect you even if you work for a day but pensions is something that you would actually earn over a period of time and no it's not just you over a period of time like epf requires a contribution from the employer so here although the platforms have or the aggregators have consistently said we are not employers but they are employers even for 5 minutes or for 5 hours or for 3 hours that's what this law establishes that you have a relationship for that period and you're making a payment for that period so just as you can say how much is an epf share in someone who's working for a month you can say how much is that epf share for someone working for 3 hours so actually yes through this you should be able to get epf and esi which are the two big things about an employer employee relationship through a new form of relationship so there should be definitely an additional employer contribution to certain kinds of things over a period of time you're listening to nikhil day of the mazdoor kisan shakti sangathan on the delivery charge podcast they were speaking to workers united As he has explained, under the new Rajasthan law, the Gig and Platform Worker Welfare Board has to formulate schemes for ensuring the social security of gig workers. The schemes may include accident insurance, immediate assistance in case of accidents and medical emergencies, health insurance, and other schemes for health, accidents, and education. The law also establishes a grievance redressal mechanism for workers. and provides for open consultations with trade unions who work with platform workers penalties that may be imposed on aggregators and employers who do not comply with its provisions can extend up to rupees 50 lakh another person who has been part of the campaign in Rajasthan is dharmendra kumar of jan pahel or people's initiative a delhi based non-profit that has long focused on the problems faced by street vendors so if the money is there money has to be given to the beneficiaries as per the board rules so it will take time but now we have the act and the implementation has to be there but yeah this is not regarding working condition unlike the maharashtra mathadi and hamal law rajasthan's proposed welfare board does not have any specific powers to regulate the employment relationship for instance it has no specific powers to set wages there are also no specific standards 
to govern a worker's removal from a platform? Uh, it's limited to social security, provisioning social security to workers. And in that process, they will register them, they will uh, provide identity card. So those identity questions can be tackled through board and provisioning will be there using the CS money. But okay. uh, uh, there is nothing about regulating working condition of wages or overtime or other matters like gratuity or ESI or PF. Remember back to Rahul Gandhi's interaction with delivery workers in Bengaluru. Most of their complaints were related to falling incomes and the increasing hours that they have to work in order to ensure a decent life for themselves and their families. Work on these platforms was eating away ever larger parts of their lives. Rajasthan's gig and platform worker social security law does not, however, create a mechanism to directly address wages and working hours. Uh, but the primary concern with the welfare bill uh, begins and ends at how gig work is defined. And it is largely defined uh, through the lens of the employers, the platform companies of the country. That was the voice of Rikta Krishnaswamy of the All India Gig Workers Union. A gig worker, according to the Rajasthan law, is any person who works and earns money outside of a traditional employer-employee relationship. The question, therefore, of whether a worker qualifies to benefit from the schemes prepared by Rajasthan's proposed gig worker welfare board will turn on whether that worker is part of a traditional employer-employee relationship. It's called the gig and platform workers social security legislation. Whether an employer-employee relationship exists, in fact, has long been a point of struggle in labor relations in a variety of different contexts. If you remember the discussion from earlier in this episode, the protections of the mid-20th century labor and social legislations are only available to those workers who are part of an employer-employee relationship. For a long time, workers' movements struggled to prove that specific types of workers, for example, municipal workers employed under contract, were part of an employer-employee relationship with the municipality and therefore qualified to receive the same protections and benefits available to the municipality's regular employees. In India, platforms have, for instance, avoided any obligations under the Factories Act, which among other things, regulates the hours of work and wages for overtime. These are aspects that, as we have noted recently, the Rajasthan law does not directly regulate. This takes us to the issue at the center of the global conversation on gig and platform work, which is how platforms have by misclassifying as gig work what should actually be an employer-employee relationship, have avoided any obligations under laws such as the Factories Act. According to Krishnaswamy, the Rajasthan law risks perpetuating this subterfuge. See, uh, India is very different from, um, you know, other maybe European or American uh, counterparts in that um, there's a huge burgeoning youth population that is perennially employed on these gig platforms. There's a lot of subjectivity within uh, a single company with respect to the employment uh, relations and work conditions. So uh, what gets called gig work in the primary sense, you know, when you look at Europe or when you look at the US, um, you know, a person has a primary 
primary form of employment they are a teacher or working somewhere and they're doing this kind of like part time or gig uh, on the weekend to earn some supplementary income right now that exists in india but it's a very 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 tiny percentage of the workers uh, at least in what we've seen in different uh, categories of platform work so for example there might be a driver who's employed with a company and on weekends on a sunday when he has a day off he might use uh, you know the ola app and earn some extra money so that constitutes gig work for us and if this welfare board is uh, geared towards protecting uh, and providing protections and cover to such gig workers it's it's a great move uh, and the formation of a tripartite board also is a great move um, now the problem arises um, when we take the employer kind of definition of gig work and tag everyone who's kind of working perennially on these platforms uh, who have operational policies that actually dictate you know the working conditions right so i'll give you two three examples really quickly um so urban company which is a services delivery platform uh, mandates all uh, their partners their gig workers uh, to mark a calendar every day for 12 uh, hours right so their login uh, time and log out time constitutes 12 hours now whatever work the company gives um you know is what they give there's no guarantee as such but the workers uh, know that they can get a job at any point and they have to accept it because if they don't accept 80% of the gigs the leads the work that comes to them they will be permanently blocked from the platform so you have a scenario where uh, in urban company many of the people claim uh, many of the workers rightfully so cannot actually do any primary work because a they are mandated to be on the app logged in for 12 hours they can get work at any point in fact outside of the login hours uh, and they, if they don't accept 80% of that they are permanently blocked and they make huge investments to work on this platform so you know they are not uh, going to not accept jobs right so that almost uh, constitutes a perennial work engagement where there is a primary employee employer relationship that is obfuscated by terminology such as partners now uh, the question arises should a urban company workers be uh, covered under a welfare uh, bill created for gig workers or should they actually first win um, you know the the rights that workers uh, perennial workers in fact we have great labor laws um, you know that uh, can apply based on any different kind of subjective work conditions so they can be considered full time workers under the factories act uh, based on the level of control uh, the employer exerts which in this case in urban companies case is very high so uh, in fact the five uh, six different states in which we are currently leading the urban company struggle um, the reason why we have gone to the labor department is that you know there's no point in collectively bargaining with a company which will change rules at the drop of a hat unless uh, their work uh, definition uh, is specified by the labor department so in that sense uh, if you come to delivery work as well there are uh, hyper uh, local stores there is a store that uh, has delivery work uh, uh that is tagged to one store so here uh, the delivery workers you know pick up groceries send it to people's places via their bike uh they also have uh, more than 12 hour shift and they're working perennially on the platform uh so in that case also you know they're largely working for one store one company uh and their work relation is of a perennial worker right uh, but they're called gig workers uh, similarly in like say food delivery services you might be working for a swiggy and a zomato and 
the operational policies of these companies mandate you to work uh, to be online on the app for a certain amount of hours um, in which you can get an order anytime uh, because the incentive structures are based on the hours of work that you put in and the numbers of delivery that you do, which the companies actually you know, um, use a lot of brains uh, to really like uh, juice uh, the most amount of hours out of them. So again, the operational conditions of many platforms actually define uh, what relationship these uh, partners, delivery executives or whatever they're called by the company to obfuscate that employee-employer relationship, right? So the creation of a separate uh, welfare board for gig workers, um, where you basically kind of like paint each person that's working on these different companies as the same kind of worker is quite dangerous because, you know, the main issues, which is of wage theft, which is of uh, diminishing uh, payouts and increasing hours of work, right, which is around safety, which is around uh, their working conditions, the number of hours that they have to put in, uh, and so on and so forth, uh, are completely sidelined uh, in the name of, uh, you know, small welfare measures, which anyways, the company should give to the workers you know so yeah of course the Rajasthan uh, board has only defined say accident insurance and uh, will uh, you know uh, probably announce a host or a slew of other kind of like welfare measures in the future once the fund is allocated. But uh, what we have seen uh, in our meetings as well with the Labor Department is that the company themselves are welcoming this um, uh, these moves by the Rajasthan government and, you know, similar efforts by the Karnataka and Jharkhand government. So if the companies are, you know, happy with uh, basically absolving themselves of the, you know, small safety measures of accident and other insurance that they have to give the workers um, who are put actually in strenuous working conditions because of the inhumane anti-worker working conditions that these companies have where you have to you know deliver orders in 10 minutes or you can't cancel orders in like heavy rain um, uh, it it begs the question of whose uh, favor these welfare measures really are um, and um, in doing so uh, by painting all uh, workers who are employed on the platform whether they're perennial or they're part-time gig workers with the same brushstroke we're also um, you know uh, taking away the rights and protections of a majority uh, of the workers employed on such platforms who are perennial workers you're listening to Rikta Krishnaswamy of the All India Gig Workers Union on the Delivery Charge podcast I'm your host and producer Aju John one important distinction between the All India Gig Workers Union and some of the other organizations we have come across on this episode such as the Indian Federation of App-Based Transport Workers is that they belong to the mainstream of India's trade union movement. The AIGWU is affiliated with the CITU or the Centre of Indian Trade Unions, which is the trade union federation that is associated with the Communist Party of India Marxist. We will learn more about the AIGWU from Rikta and her colleagues in a few later episodes of this podcast. For now, we return to Nikhil Day of the MKSS, Dharmendra Kumar of the Jan Pahal, and Sheikh Salauddin of the Indian Federation of App-Based Transport Workers. All three of them were optimistic that the Gig Worker Welfare Board, owing to its institutional design, had the capacity to go beyond the provision of social security alone and actually transform platform work. And the third is that this, this law has been set up at 200 crores from the state government of Rajasthan. So 200 crores is not needed to set up a board. You need much less than that. But the 200 crores will go towards setting up the board and also putting some seed money into, yes, the state also, the state does all kinds of social security contributions, 
so it can make for the beginnings because this will need some help and push at the beginning and karnataka has announced for instance 3000 crores so what would happen it's obviously wouldn't go to a board so if karnataka were to ad adopt the same model the 3000 crores could be used for contributing substantially until that social security board gets substantial resources of its own and once it does that then there are workers are there on that board gig platform workers are there the state is there so there are innumerable kinds of social security measures that could be thought of um, which i won't go into but it certainly doesn't restrict you to pensions and health it could be education benefits it could be for the for sick leave because you obviously if you do fall sick and you have an emi to pay what do you do so you find gig workers working round the clock working through illness through sickness because they have that pressure it could give you some days of leave at the year it could do all kinds of things and right now what we are having is workers are not engaged and workers are not organized that way but with gig workers that they can easily be organized because they all are already on board on board with some companies and uh, government or companies uh, do have data who are the workers so the data is not a problem and they are already organized by aggregators it's on the only question is that uh, whether the board makes them more interested no so with construction workers if you see uh, if something is coming from board there's a lot of enthusiasm from workers side for example in delhi recently uh, post covid uh, we had less than 50000 workers who were active members of the delhi construction workers welfare board but delhi government uh, as a covid relief transferred 5000 rupees to all those registered construction workers and that basically uh, sent a message to all workers that look there is a benefit of being a member and now the, uh, it is more than 8 lakh 8 lakh workers who have registered so it is 16 times jump triggered by one benefit given by the government so if board uh, is transferring benefit to workers workers will be interested and uh, there will be organizations unions who will be organizing them helping them facilitating them recognizing them that process will surely move on देखिए राजस्थान के कानून में अगर जब आप देखेंगे क्लियरली है कि बार्गेनिंग है कंपनी से आपस में हम त्राईपाट बैठ के बातचीत कर सकते बोर्ड के अंदर अपनी बात रख सकते त्राईपाट बोर्ड के अंदर कहीं ना कहीं ट्रांसपेरेंसी की बात करे गए हम लोग ने हर चीज इसके अंदर क्लियरली मैंशन किया गया वर्कर्स के बारे में भी कंपनीज के बारे में भी और सरकार के बारे में भी तो बहुत ट्रांसपेरेंसी है और हर राइट का भी जो ट्रांसपेरेंसी है जो जितना काम करते हैं उसके अंदर आप मेरा देखेंगे 2016 से जो मेरा पहला कानून चाहिए जब तक कानून हमारे हाथ में नहीं रहता हम लोग एग्रीगेटर कंपनी जो भी है 
उसको हम दायरे में नहीं ला सकते विदाउट राजस्थान में जब गए थे राजस्थान में सरकार थी कांग्रेस की तो वहाँ पे इम्प्लीमेंटेशन भी किया और देश के अंदर आज दिस लॉ इज़ नाउ 
in this respect is that they said there will have to be what they call stakeholder consultations and of course we feel there should be everyone should be consulted who is concerned the only thing we keep pushing for is please have everyone in the same room at the same time we said anything that we are asking for we are suggesting we are making objections to we are giving feedback on is all in public domain we'd like the same from them and we'd like you to have your conversations with all of us together and uh, so that at least the official ones where you're doing these consultations so that they agreed to and that was vastly useful because actually in that consultation that took place three very interesting things were said some of those who had been working for the for instance ifat a set of people uh, federation of app based transport workers their representative when they said oh we have big issues with this uh, central transaction monitoring system this that will that will be looking at it uh, because privacy of the workers will be will be removed and here was a person who had worked trying to unionize workers for the last 10 years who said one of the biggest issues is i can't get access to my own data so what privacy are you talking about you're taking your you taking my data me as a human being me as a driver how many rides i've done where i've done what i've done what trainings i've done and you don't show it to me you don't show me what rates i'm getting and why so they had no answer to that or they said oh this will mean a uh, duplication of of burdens on us or it will mean we are already giving insurance so who stops you from giving insurance but this will make sure that everyone follows a minimal level of giving a, of of contributing a fee over each transaction which will be used to give insurance to everyone one company may give one month company may not give so having all of them there we heard all their objections and there were several objections and those objections have been successful in many countries and places in staving off such legislation but i think a big difference that's where democracy democratic consultation helps the big difference was that we were there in that room and it was clear when it was both minuted and when it was talked about even with government later they said yes the answers were there because you know generally what happens is that you have two uh, people who are aggregators coming and meeting the people the government separately and you have a meeting separately and then the two persons what they say outweighs what thousands of people say on this side so we wanted that kind of consultation to be part of the negotiation and this has had a history so far as we are concerned it's gone back to the rights based legislation days when we knew that unless we sat in on every discussion and that we looked at every formulation of every section of the law will be uh, cheated so that old experience carried forth into the new making of this making of this new law helped us a lot so that the negotiations are very important the consultations are critically important that it be equally weighted on all three sides equally with recent events sheikh salauddin may have become even more sensitive to the importance of elections that form the country's governments and there is a very big one on the horizon the general elections of 2024 bas government ko pressurize karne ke andar hum log kaam kar rahe parliamentary committee ko jaake mile we are now applying pressure on the central government we have been trying to meet the parliamentary committee trying to apply pressure on several lok sabha and rajya sabha mps but implementation nahi hua 
the so social security code 2020 was passed but it has not been implemented the indian federation of app based transport workers are trying to see if it can be implemented before the election that includes the setting up of a national social security Lakhs and crores uh, of people are demanding this. The social security code must be implemented and there must be a national social security code that applies to gig and platform workers. That was Sheikh Salahuddin making a direct demand to the Prime Minister of India for a national law that would also provide for the social security of gig and platform workers. While it brings us to the end of this episode of the Delivery Charge podcast, It won't be the last we hear from Sheikh Salahuddin. We will go deeper into his work in forthcoming episodes and you will also hear from several other experts some of whom you listened to on today's episode. My thanks to all of them for speaking with me and educating me. Thanks are also due to my friends who voiced the English translations for the voices of Sheikh Salahuddin, Ashish Singh and Ashok Gehlot. The anthropologist Jagat Sohail, the Delhi-based lawyer Rohit Sharma and the anthropologist Mihir Sharma. Most of all thanks to everyone who listened to this episode especially if you have listened this far you clearly found this episode interesting so please do me a favor and share it with your friends family and colleagues until we meet again on the 7th episode of delivery charge this is also goodbye from me aju john <laughs>